0: Welcome, 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 fellow chili eaters to Fusion Fellowship Group, connoisseurs, (laughs) aficionados, oh, we have a late entry, did they meet the cutoff? Well, so uh, yeah, there's definitely seven uh, chilies, we accounted for that, hey, no vote changes, uh, uh, it's illegal. We learned last lecture. Just kidding. Welcome, everybody, to Fusion.
1: Uh oh.
0: Hey, guys, we're looking to start. Star. So, welcome. Uh, tonight we have Justin and Carlell teaching out of Genesis. It's morbid time. We all know what that means. So,. Versus will be up here. Tonight, as you can see, chili contest. I announced it earlier, but for those of you who are not here, all the chilies are labeled one. Well, it's going to be through seven now. Oh, uh, seven.
2: Yeah,
0: maybe it be eight more. Alex, make sure you put a number seven on your chili pot. Up on the, so taste each chili probably after the meeting. Uh, and then you're able to vote. There's four categories best chili, uh, spookiest chili. Uh, what else is there? Unique and Most unique and spiciest. Yeah. So the seven categories in the bottom, one tally for the chili that you think fits that category. Okay. One vote for each category. Make sense? One vote per chili. No. No. Yeah. There's four, one vote per category. You can vote. But you
1: can case. use the same chili. You can
0: vote. You can vote. So if it, it could be the, the best, best and chili spookiest. and spookiest. Correct. Got yeah. So very good. So that's tonight. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, CT Saturday. That's at four p.m. That'll be a blast too. So uh, check out CT at four p.m. here in the other side of the building. I think that's it as far as announcements go. <laughs> <laughs> Next week they're doing. uh we'll it.
3: The last one is
4: seven is before
3: one. Okay. Eight. So, seven is
0: far right, not politically, but just as far as <laughs> the order. Okay. Oh, thank you, Brendan. All right, seven, one through six. All right. You, next, uh,
2: next week we're we'll doing pumpkin carving. Oh, oh! And if you want to dress up since it's close to Halloween and test out that costume before the weekend, why
0: not? We everybody here loves Halloween.
2: Yeah, yeah I know I that.
1: Halloween.
0: Love it, love it, love it. Okay, cool. So that's next week. That's next week. Yeah. That's back-to-back.
2: off week, back but next week's comfort
0: Back-to-back fun weeks. Is it even allowed? Anyways. All right, that'll be fun. Justin, please come on up. All right. There's a
5: the clicker. Found the clicker. Okay, so. Hi, everybody. I'm just going to dive right into it. So last week, you guys remember, Terry was up here, he was teaching about the flood. Basically, uh, humanity got so bad and evil and crazy that God had to uh, basically judge the world and kind of do a soft reboot, you know, just almost, uh, almost everyone, but not quite. Uh, so, tonight we're going to be talking about the Tower of Babel, that's Genesis 11, which means we're skipping a couple chapters. So, I'm going to quickly like do the uh, TLDR, too long didn't read, version of those uh, uh, chapters real quick. Basically, Genesis 9, God says, hey, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to go and flood the world and uh, end humanity like that again. It's known as the uh, Rainbow Covenant. Uh, Noah responds to this by promptly getting drunk and getting naked and passing out. To which his, his kids respond, one responds by making fun of him. I mean, he's 600 years old and naked. I mean, that'd probably be a little funny sight. But uh, the other two go and they cover him up. So that's Genesis 9. Uh, Genesis 10 we get uh, genealogy, and that basically goes and shows uh, where the people of the world come from. So that's where we, uh, what we're skipping over to get into this here Tower of Babel. If I could have a couple people pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for all of us being out here tonight. I want to thank you for this. Successful looking
4: chili cook-off, Lord, so it's always so fun whenever we have, like, just like a really cool theme and a fun theme to just, like, bond over, Lord, um, and just have a good time with each other. Um, I want to be uh, praying for Justin and Carlel tonight, be lifting them up, Lord, that um, you can be just speaking powerfully through them, that they're able to share whatever conviction <laughs> you that you want them to share, Lord, and that we can just be having some
1: cool discussion afterwards. Yeah, God, I thank you for your word. And I, I pray that as we, as we, uh, it's a story, a lot of us have heard, so it's a, it's a thing that uh, isn't probably new to many people. And yet, uh, Lord, I pray we look at it fresh and that we wouldn't come to it as like I know everything, but that we'd come ready to learn from you uh, and be shaped by you. Mm-hmm. So, God, I pray for my heart. I pray for our hearts uh, as we hear this. I pray for our hearts as we, uh, season, uh, that you would be encouraging us, I pray, against, uh, I pray against our enemy, Lord, we have an enemy who wants to destroy uh, fellowship and destroy our joy, and so I pray against him, I pray you would help us to stand on your truth, that you love us, and that we're your children, that you have abundant joy for us and abundant life for us, and I pray that you
5: help us to embrace that. mm-hmm Yeah, Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for getting us here together today and uh, getting so many different chilies to fill the air, Uh, Just uh, pray that you'd be speaking through Carl all night tonight as we're getting up here and teaching. And uh, just pray your spirit would be at work here in this meeting as we learn about the power of Babel. Amen. Okay, so as we go through this section of Scripture, bearing in mind that humanity just went through this terrible judgment, was pretty much wiped out, uh, we want to ask the question, is humanity going to change? Uh, is this going to be the time where they come together and start to follow God? And so let's, with that, get into our passage. Can someone read this for me? Uh, now all the
0: earth used the same language and the same words, and it came about as they journeyed east to the, the land of Shinar and settled. there. Then they said to one another, come, let's make bricks and fire them thoroughly. And they used bricks for stone, and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of all the
5: earth. Okay, so after the flood happens, we see that humanity begins to repopulate. Uh, It says that the whole earth is using the same language and the same words it talks about this region here, uh, the land of Shinar. Uh, That's basically modern-day Iraq. Uh, For those of you guys who are fans of geography, that's like uh, the, they call that Mesopotamia. So that's that region between the Euphrates and the Tigris. Um, So that's where we're at. The passage goes on. There we go. It says, now the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the men had built. And this is actually kind of a funny tongue-in-cheek verse. Because they previously they said, oh, we're building this tower up to the heavens. And God is up in the heavens. And he's like, what are you guys doing down there? I've got to get real close and come down and see what you're doing. Oh, you're building this little tower. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> so it goes on. Can someone read this for me?
2: And
4: the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they have started to do. And now nothing which they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and go down, and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it was named Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth.
5: Okay. So there we have it. That is the uh, Tower of Babel. So we first want to deal with a couple of questions. First, did this really happen? And if it did, why was God so upset with what they were doing? So let's start with the first question. Did it really happen? Uh, we know that the book of Genesis claims to be historical narrative. It refers to uh, very specific people, very specific places, very specific events. Uh, and we also know that uh, we can confirm a lot of what Genesis talks about from chapter 12 onward. But that doesn't mean that the portion before chapter 12 isn't also a historical narrative. Uh, in, in the text, there is no switch between we're talking about myth here in the first section and the rest is historical narrative. Uh, the text tr- treats it all as this is historical narrative. We know that the New Testament alludes to this as uh, a historical uh, event. We see this in Acts 17, 26. Can someone read this for me?
1: And he made
5: one man, every nation
0: of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times
5: and the boundaries of their habitation. Okay, so this is Paul. He's referring, uh, speaking to these philosophers, these Greek philosophers, and he's talking about the events uh, after Noah in the flood, and uh, how his descendants became different nations. Uh, There's also some extra biblical... Uh, sources of the historicity of this event. Um, so let's look at Genesis 10:8 or 10:10, which says, "In the beginning of his kingdom, this is talking about this guy named Nimrod, was Babel, Erech, Akkad, Kalna, in the in the land of Shinar. That's that region that we're talking about. From that land, he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Reho- Rehoboth Er, and Kala. So." In this uh, verse, there's a couple um, cities, Nineveh and Kala, that we actually know where they are. We have uh, archaeological evidence for their existence. We dug it up. We found it. Um, There's also ancient accounts of this event. Uh, There was this memorial stone excavated in this Shinar region um, that dated back to 2100 B.C., uh, erected by this king from this city called ur namu and it said, inscribed on this stone it said, construction of this tower highly offended all the gods, and in night they threw down what man had built and impeded their progress. They were scattered abroad and their speech was strange. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, we also have um, these ziggurats that have been excavated. A ziggurat is basically a tower. Um, and we know that Nebuchadnezzar, who was a uh, Babylonian king in around six hundred BC, he built ziggurats in his cities and records from his time point that these ziggurats were based off of these very ancient patterns that already existed so that 's not a lot of evidence uh, and truthfully, from way back uh, at this time period there 's not a lot of evidence for much of anything but The evidence that there is pretty good. It's pretty uh, compelling for as far back in history as we got, as we are here at this uh, point in time. So that brings the second question. Why was God so upset? Does God have a fragile ego? Well, you know, he's looking at this tower and basically going, oh, if they build this skyscraper, they're not going to need me. And he lashes out in some sort of, uh, out of his own insecurity. I, I don't think that's at all what happened. Uh, we have to take into account the context of what was written previously. So, let's read some of the context here. Can someone read this for me? Now Cush father Nimrod, he became a mighty one of the earth.
4: He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Ascad, and Kalna in the land of Shinar. From that land he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehobo, Kala, and Resen between Nineveh and Kala, that is the great city.
5: Okay, so we've got this dude Nimrod. So his name literally means to rebel, uh, which is a name that he probably took for himself. And he, they say he's a great ruler and a mighty hunter before the Lord. Uh, that doesn't mean that like he went and hunted uh, for trophies, you know, like those old lion heads that you see in like old British, I don't know, safari people. He's he's not one of those guys. Um, this means uh, it's it's basically implying that he is uh, in defiance of the Lord. Uh, Some scholars seem to think that this implies that Nimrod hunted humans. We don't really know for sure. What we do know for sure is that his name means to rebel, and what he did, he did in defiance of the Lord. So this city, Babel, that we're talking about tonight, uh, was started by a man who wanted to, to defy God. So what is it that God, what did these people know in the city of Babel that God wanted them to do, that they were defying. What is it? Uh, God gave a command. So this is in Genesis 9-7. It says, And for you be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. God's basically saying, spread out. Fill the the whole earth. But what did they say? They said, no, let us build a city. Otherwise, we're going to be scattered over the whole earth. So why would God want them to spread out? I think we saw this last week uh, when Terry was teaching about the flood. When mankind has fallen and they are unified, uh, they, we see that they become so morally corrupt that they are in danger of destroying themselves. So we see with this city that the express purpose that they built it was for their own pride and ego. You know, They said, come, let us build a city and a tower and let us make a name for ourselves. And this is something that echoes back to Cain where he built a city uh, and he wanted a legacy. And he named his city after his son. So this tower they're talking about, we're pretty sure that this tower wasn't literally supposed to go up into the sky and just be as high as possible. Uh, it wouldn't make a lot of sense where they built it because they built it in a valley. You know, why would you build in a valley when you could build on top of a mountain to try and reach up into the sky? Don't make a lot of sense there. More likely, the heavens were seen as the dwelling place of the gods. And they wanted to follow these false gods. These ziggurats, these towers were designed for astrological study so that they could look up in the stars and say, oh, this God is the one that's prominent in the stars, so we should worship him right now so that he will do what we want. Uh, They basically were trying to manipulate these gods into doing what they wanted. So this Babel project was pretty sinister from the perspective of of God. (coughs) So we're right back to where we started before Noah and the flood. Uh, This whole Babel project was an attempt... Uh, to unite humanity in defiance of God and in defiance of His plans. So when God said, "This is what they're going to what they're doing with their unity. Nothing they will do will be impossible to them." God's saying that when they're unified, they immediately are turning away from Me, and they're becoming their own gods. And when they unify under a godless ruler, or someone such as Nimrod, there will be an explosion of evil. And all manner of corruption, and so this is why God frustrates their plan and confuses their speech. You know, this would be pretty effective. You know, imagine if you're at work and you're talking to your uh, coworker, and all of a sudden they start responding to you going, "Ah, oh, bonjour, s'il vous plaît," you know, "je m'appelle Cloud," you know, something like that. You wouldn't understand what they're trying to say. <laughs> How are the
3: clouds?
5: <laughs> You would need to find people that spoke the language you spoke and work with them. And this was actually very merciful, because God did not wipe people out. Instead, He spread them out. So can we read someone reread this verse for me? These two verses. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they stopped building the city. Alright, so the Lord scattered them. Uh, the passage goes on to say that uh, therefore the city was called Bab- Babel, which means confusion. And this is kind of a, uh, another one of those like God jokes, where uh, in the ancient language that they spoke, uh, the people that built the city of Babel, to them it was Babel, which meant uh, gateway to the gods. And... God went and called it Babel, which is confusion. Basically saying, oh, God's saying, oh, you're building a gateway to me. I think you're actually confused is what you are. (laughs) So that is the account of the Babel project right there. Uh, They sought to get rid of God and rule themselves. So I want us to think of this as uh, pride versus humility. Because it's pretty easy to look at this passage and say, yeah, these guys here were really prideful. They were really trying to be their own gods. Uh, But we should look at this passage more as a mirror instead of a window. Um, So we're going to be asking three questions. How do we define humility? Why should we desire humility? And how do we develop humility? And so I'm going to start with the first of how do we define humility? And that's kind of tricky. Uh, You ask six people, you get seven different answers. Um, So if we don't know how to define it, how are we going to move towards it? So first, I think we'll talk about what humility is not. It is not talking poorly about yourself. So imagine, if you will, there's this guy. His name's Aaron Judge. And he was going there and he's saying to you, oh, I'm the worst baseball player in the world. I'm just terrible. I got struck out 17 times by the Cleveland Guardians. I'm just terrible. Now, if you know baseball, you know that this guy is actually a really good baseball player, even though he plays for the New York Yankees. This guy got, uh, I think it was like 63 home runs this year. He got the most runs batted in, which is really good. These are things you want in baseball. Uh, He had the second highest batting average really good. So you'd be very confused if this guy was going and crying, I'm the worst, I'm the worst. You know, and so what this really is, is self-depreciation. And it could be a form of manipulation, trying to get people to stroke your uh, your ego. You know, I'm I'm so bad, I'm so terrible, in hopes that someone come up and say, oh, you're not bad, you're really cool, actually. Uh, That's not that's not humility. That's pride. Humility is not refusing to influence other people. Uh, There are people who think that stepping out and serving publicly, uh, like as a leader, is a prideful thing. But that's not supported by Scripture. Uh, We saw that in Exodus, uh, when God was calling Moses to lead, uh, that... Moses was going and trying to argue with God and said, no, God, I don't, I, don't speak so, I don't speak good. And God said, no, Moses, you don't speak well, but I still am going to use you. So when we stare at God and uh, God's telling us he's going to use us and we say, no, God, I know better, that's not humility, that's pride. Humility is not being nice. Uh, if we were to look at the person of uh, Jesus Christ, he is uh, like the picture of humility. Uh, but he was not a nice man. You know, there were are there accounts in uh, the New Testament where Christ goes and flips all these innocent little money changers out of the temple. Well, they weren't so innocent. But flips all their tables over, chases them out with a whip. He was not a nice man, but he was a humble man. Humility is not just changing external behaviors. True humility is going to work its way out uh, into external behavior eventually. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But to be changed in your heart is what we're talking about, is what we're looking for. So what is humility? Humility is acknowledging the truth of our position as creature and yielding God to his place as creator. And so if we compare this with this Tower of Babel, that they wanted to be creative. They wanted to put themselves up with the gods. True humility realizes that God should lead and I should follow. So why should we desire humility?
0: Oh! Oh! Oh!
2: Oh! Find out on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. Okay. Thanks, Justin. Very cool. I like your uh God jokes. They're very good. I oh Well, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. But, you know, it's very good. Amazing. Uh, can I hand off some verses? If anyone would like to read. You don't have to grab them, by the way. They'll be up on the screen, but I just want to hand them out. Yes. <laughs> I almost called you Brian because Brian was just right there. John 519. John five thirty, John 1410, 1 Corinthians four seven. Yes. Romans twelve ten. Romans twelve sixteen, Brian. No, 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 I'll take Romans twelve
0: sixteen. Actually you get no verse.
2: <laughs> Sorry. I miscalculated. Humility. Wow. Who would have thought we were talking about someone old in the old testament? And it all wraps down to humility. And if you think about humility, is that something that we really see in the world? Is there a lot of humility going around? Well, you got, uh, let's see here, (laughs) movie stars. Oh, That's that's some pretty good humility. He was getting humble. Yeah. yeah, Some would say he was getting humble. You got celebrities, uh, musicians. He's taking the mic from her saying that actually you didn't do good. Beyonce did better. We got politicians. Oh my God. Taxing Tim Ryan.
0: Taxing Tim Ryan.
2: Taxing Tim Ryan. Oh man, he pisses me off. I'm not a political guy. I don't know what that means, but he's taxing Tim Ryan. Okay, That's that. If you talked to me in the last month, you know I've been saying that for no reason at all. Just because YouTube is telling me he's taxing Tim Ryan. Thanks, YouTube. Uh, Yeah, so you don't really see that very often in the world. I'm not saying that there are no humble people in the world. There definitely are, but not that many. It's not something you see very often in the world. And these are people that, they would say these people are their role models. Kanye West or um, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, you know. Uh, But they're not very humble people. In fact, they are prideful. You actually get rewarded in the world for being prideful. You know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. You got to fight your way to the top, kick out whoever you can in your way. Um, That's how you succeed in the world. So the question is, should us as Christians have this as a path for our life? Is this the roadmap to humility, what the world shows us? Well, I'll answer that. Should we desire humility? Jesus, some would say, I think I agree with this, is the ultimate role model of humility. I mean, this man who knows all things, he knows all there is to know about life, uh, and he said, you know what? I think humility is pretty great. I'm going to choose humility to the point where I'm actually going to die for you, even though you don't deserve it, and it's going to be a terrible, brutal death. But because I love you and I care about others, I will die for you. I found this interesting studying this teaching when Jesus describes himself or is attributing something to himself, he uh, actually uses words like not or nothing when referring to himself. I found that very interesting. If you go through John, I'm going to give you a few verses here. Read this somewhere. Uh, so
0: Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also.
2: Yeah, I have that underlined. Uh, I don't know what happened to that. But yeah, just imagine, nothing, okay? There was not underline. John 5.30.
0: I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own
2: will. Yeah. Jesus is saying, I can do nothing on my own, not in my will. John 14, 10.
3: Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who
2: lives in me does his work through me. Yeah. So this just goes on and on. I mean, I think we get the point, though, with these few verses. Uh It's God's. It's not his own. He's saying, I go through the Father. And that's crazy to think about. If you take a second, think about it. Jesus, 100% God, came down on earth, put on this meat suit, laid aside his godly attributes, and said, you know what? I can't do anything without the Father. I cannot do anything without God. That had to have been tough. I can only imagine. But he had that dependence all the time on the Father. And if Jesus Christ is saying he can't do it without the Father, well, we sure shouldn't be saying that we can do it without the Father. We need the Father. If Jesus Christ is including the Father in everything. We should be including the Father in everything. That's what humility is. Showing up and, uh, you know, here, God, I want you to take over. It's your will, not mine. I can't do it without you. It's a much better choice than pride, I'll tell you that. I struggle with pride at times and, you know, I get in my flesh and want to do things of my own. I'm chugging along. I'm, 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 you know, just kind of robotic about things. And, you know, I burn out eventually. get exhausted, bitter, um, confused, lost, very cynical. It gets very bad when I'm depending on myself. It's just truly exhausting. But when you bring God into the picture... And you allow him to lead the way. It's something so beautiful, I can't describe it. <clears throat> can I tell you guys a secret? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, well, please. Can I trust you guys to keep this secret? No. 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 Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. So I've learned in the past couple years that um, if you're looking to follow God. And you wanted him to lead the way. And you seriously pray this prayer. A prayer of asking the Lord that I want you to take over this situation. And if this is not in your will, I want you to shut it down. He will shut it down. And he will make it 100% clear. It is mind-boggling. The few times I've done this, I'm not saying I do it often. But it's been so clear and it's so beautiful because I'm like, I know this is you, Lord. I cannot disagree with this situation because I asked you, you clearly answered. I'll give you an example. We were looking to buy a house a couple years ago. And uh, I was like, let's put a bid on it. Why not? It's in a floodplain. I can get flood insurance. Whatever. Not a big deal. Could fall apart. Who knows? And Caleb was nervous, which is makes sense. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, let's just do it. It's a good house. It has a big barn. Oh, my God, the barn. And uh, so we put an offer in. And the day that we put an offer in, someone put an offer in right before us, like right, right before us. And we offered asking price. The other offer offered like 6000 under with the contingency that they sell their house, which took them eight months, about eight months to sell their house. And we're sitting there like, we offered you what you're asking. <laughs> we'll give you the money right now. Give us the house, hello. But we have prayed before we put the offering together, uh, offering to the house sincerely. Lord, we don't know what we're doing. But if this is not in your will, I want you to shut it down and make it clear to us. And that was such a bizarre situation. But it's so clear. The Lord did not want us to get that house. We'd be underwater right now probably. Who knows? (laughs) Literally. So that's number one. Under why we should desire humility. Number two would be well, we have no basis for pride. Everything you have, everything we are, is a gift from God. Everything you say? Oh, yeah. Everything. There's nothing that you have that's yours. It's a gift from God. What about my hard work? My blood, sweat, and tears I'm putting into things? The money I've obtained? The work I put in? No. That's a gift from God. You know, the fact that you're born where you were born, you have a family, you have mobility, you're able to walk, talk. Those are all things that are gifts from God, which oftentimes we take for granted. So we have something that reminds us. Which Paul hits on this pretty good, I think. He brings us up to uh, some prior Corinthians. First Corinthians 4 7.
4: For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a
2: gift? Yeah. Why take it on, on your own and say it's you that did it, but it really was God that gave you the gift. Why boast as if it were a gift? Plagiarism! Ooh. <laughs> Taking something from someone else and claiming it's your own. My dear friend Rich... Oh, Rich Jesus. is a good guy. He's a spiritual leader, Uh-oh. and uh, he does a lot of sweet work for the Lord. But there's something he's been hiding from me for many years.
0: Oh, you didn't bring yes. up.
2: <laughs> Rich steals my jokes, <laughs> and Rich pretends that they are his own jokes. Some of them are spurring the moment. Yeah. Never mind. And he'll go and retell the jokes.
1: What about some of the other ones?
2: Some, let's just say we don't know. (laughs) That's besides the point. I'm getting to the apex of the story, Terry. So, very publicly, Rich steals my jokes. Even to the point on the most spiritual stage of CT. I made a joke that was pretty good. And uh, I'm giggling about it. Rich says, that's pretty cute, Carlisle. That's a pretty cute joke. You probably shouldn't use it. I said, okay. Well, that makes sense. So I do my part. I'm done. Feeling pretty good. Rich gets up. Immediately tells my joke. (laughs) (laughs) And claims it as its own. It's on audio if you want to see it on (laughs) the Twitter website. I'll have to share. The outrage of someone stealing your own content and they're claiming it's theirs. The audacity. the audacity. I'm just joking, Rich. But you'll probably steal it later. Just kidding. But am I really? Now, I know it's funny, but to bring it in. Uh, it's humbling because we do this every single day. It's called divine plagiarism. You've been given all these things that the Lord has given you, yet you claim it's your own. You think that you've earned those things, but really the Lord has given it to you. I'm totally guilty of this. I'm not preaching to you guys. I'm totally guilty of this. Um, But maybe think about this in your lives. How do you do this? Maybe there's something you've been thinking about lately um, in your walk that uh, you've been focusing on yourself and not realizing all the things that the Lord has done for you. You know, when I do this, it is me, self-focused. I'm going through life, chugging along, giving cliche answers to things, saying things that will make people think I'm doing okay or like me. Um, not to let them know I'm struggling, but I'm, you know, I'm doing good. Going through suffering, maybe. Woe is me. Woe is me. Lots of issues over here. And I'm just going to focus on those issues and be pretty sad about that and get depressed. That's what I do. And one thing I learned, I'm not perfect at this, but uh, Greg Mosher is a scholar at this. When I'm doing my little fake self focused cliche front to him and he's reading me, he says, well, Where's the Lord in all this? What does the Lord have to say about this? I'm like, oh my God, I can't give you an answer because I haven't been thinking about the Lord in this situation. How often does that happen to us? I know I'm not the only one. Divine plagiarism. So, why should we desire humility? I think we know because Jesus tells us that's what he did. When he went to the Father, he's telling us to go to the Father, not to focus on yourselves. He doesn't mention that anywhere in the Bible, to focus on yourselves. But it's to focus on the Father. To go to the Father. You can't do it on your own. You have to go through the Father. Well, then how do you develop humility? Great question. Well, it's really the inner attitude, like Justin was talking about. It really starts from within. Your heart attitude. The same thing that was going on in Babel, where Shinar uh, They were having an inner uh, heart attitude and it was focused on themselves. But the attitude starts from the heart. You can't just go out and say, I'm humble, guys. I wanna be humble. You can't really yell that out, it doesn't make sense. Um, But it does start with talking to the Lord about this. Lord, help me. Dare I say you pray this prayer, who knows what will happen after? Lord, help me to be humble. Help me to have humility. It's really focusing uh, on leaving the kingdom of yourself and going into the kingdom of God. It's not about me, God. It's about you. It's about the others that you want me to serve. I know that you want me to go out and serve fellow sinners. Show me how I can love them because I can't when I'm focusing on myself. But when I allow you to come in, then I can focus on what you want me to do. But I don't like them. People are annoying, they're strange. They're weak, whatever you add into that situation. Again, that's you focusing on you, which could lead to possibly a pride issue. You know, I have an issue with serving because I don't like this person or I don't like um, these people. I don't want to serve any other people. Why would I do that? I would then question you to think about this. You may be dealing with a pride issue. Gentlemen, friends, let me tell you guys a story. This is the ultimate humbling week that I've ever experienced in my life, and so many others have too. But we just figured out the reason why this past year. It's very exciting. It's because you're placed in a place where you don't have any control. You don't have any say on what happens that week. So what do you finally do, huh? You're stuck in this place. You're told to serve. Well, maybe I'll finally let God take control for this week. And it's mind-blowing how clear the Lord will communicate with you during that week. Because there's no distractions. There's no time for you to focus on yourself. You focus on yourself and you go to sleep. (laughs) That's about it. For the whole day, you're serving another person. You're praying in groups of people, uh, small groups of people. You're singing beautiful uh, spiritual songs. You're hearing beautiful teachings. Kyle will be there next year, by the way. You guys want to know? Just a little hint. It'll be uh, week one. But you're in constant contact with the Lord. No distractions. And it's so beautiful how much he can humble you. Oh, my goodness. I think there's a little bit of suffering here, too. I think that's what also the Lord helps to get your attention because it's hard. Focusing on other people the whole time. Dealing with something that you never deal with before if you've ever been with uh, people with disabilities. It's hard. But the Lord shows you so much. It's, uh, it's a great breaking week. And uh, it's just so clear how evident he is when you give him control. Check this out, huh? I really switch up not to brag, but to share with you my experience with humility. You know, I... I like to be cool, I like to pretend that I'm all, I got all the stuff together, I'm a good guy, you know, I'm a manly man, Uh, nothing's wrong with me, I uh, like to be the life of the party, and I like to focus on myself, that's my struggle, and let me put emphasis on I like to look cool, I like to feel like I'm cool, but I'm not, but you know, I like to feel that way, I like to convince myself this, so here I am at Johnny and Friends, The day after I got a speeding ticket, (laughs) very bizarre, this is an intense situation. And I'm wearing a gray shirt, which if you know me for the past year, I don't wear color shirts, I wear black shirts. And this shirt is a size too small. (laughs) So I'm wearing this gray shirt. I am soaked in sweat because it's like 90 something degrees outside. And uh, I don't like drawing so I make this poorly drawn flag and then anything nice on there, someone else drew it. Because I asked you to, but as you can see my name, the name went, <laughs> but look at this picture. I'm excited. This is not a fake smile because I'm ready to serve. I'm excited to serve. And I'm not saying that because I'm like the best. It's because the Lord has broke me so much. Uh, you could not catch me serving people with disabilities five years ago, six years ago. I would never want to do that. But it's so beautiful how the Lord can take something like John and your friends or wherever you're serving and humble you and bring you to a place where it's like, you're, I'm not in control, Lord. I want you to be in control. <coughs> so there's my shameless John and your friends plug. Romans 12, 10. Who got that? Uh,
0: be devoted to one another in love. Give preference to one another in
2: honor. <clears throat> Romans 12, 16. <gasps> I know that. I know. I think I got this one because I know I did. That's why. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. No. And <laughs> I'll tee you with the, the, the sass right there. I like that. Don't think that you know it all. Yes, yeah, so I have the attitude that when I look across the room, I see an ocean of needs. I see people who I can serve. I need to step up, I need to show up and serve some people. And be, being excited about serving other people. That's, uh, that's what it's all about. So some conclusions, all right? Yeah. The split. This split's been mentioned, I heard, in a few teachings. Um, splits are tough. There's uncertainty. There's frustration. I can only imagine what the deacons are going through. Planning all these things. With the elders. If you're like me, like I said, I'm a cynical guy. I've had thoughts of, man, I don't want to be in a home church over here. Or God forbid I'm over here by myself or something like that. Or um, why is this taking so long? I'm afraid I'm going to be away from all my friends. Whatever your thoughts may be, those have been some that have cycled through my head. Cynicism, of course, because I'm focusing on myself. What, Lord, are you going to do with me? That should be the question you ask the Lord. What do you want to do with me? I want to do what you want me to do. I don't know what is going to happen when this split happens. But I know that I want to be on your path. Show me what your path is. Because it may not be where you want it to be. And that's something I had to digest for a while, studying this teaching. Because, uh, yeah, change is weird. It's easy immediately to start thinking about yourself and get frustrated. Because this... Is uncertain. But one thing you can for sure be certain on is that the Lord will take care of you if you trust him to take care of you. And he will lead you in the right path. You can ask yourself, how much time do I spend thinking about myself? It's very easy to zone off and think about all the words that I have on myself. Maybe you can ask yourself, a year ago, it has my thought life turn towards God more? Or am I still focusing on myself this whole time? Am I teachable? That's a real sign of humility. That's something I've been humbled on quite a bit. You know, if you have multiple people trying to instruct you on something and you're just not listening, it's the same issue, but you refuse to listen to them or God, that's pride. That's not humility. I use like a real bad time at that still do sometimes. Am I content with God's plan for my life? This is the big one. I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Am I content with where God has me right now and his plan for me going forward? Sometimes I think I'm stuck. You know, man, nothing's been happening. What are you trying to do, Lord? I've been praying for this for so long. Nothing's moving on it. Why are we still here in this situation? Something encouraging that I got from studying this teaching, check this out. Jesus, Son of God, for his first three decades on earth, he lived in total unimportance for three decades. He swung a hammer, maybe put some wood together, made a nice little birdhouse, I'm not sure. Not doing any ministry though, he started that when he was 30. But guess what? I have no doubt that Jesus was content with what he was doing, waiting on the Lord to tell him when it's time to move. He knows, you know, God has his timing. And when he's ready to move, I'm ready to move and take me to that next level. So I'm you to take that same initiative. Lord, I, I've been in this situation for a while. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm ready to move when you're ready to move me. Whatever you're trying to teach me. I want to be on the same page as you. I think that truly helps if you're struggling with any situation like that. Are you content with God's plan for your life? Because remember, everything you have is from God. So his plan is definitely the best plan. And uh, maybe you're here tonight and you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're searching, you're trying to figure out what he's all about. Do you have humility to receive Jesus Christ? Sometimes I've heard stories of people saying, well, this just sounds too easy to accept Jesus Christ in my life. Is it too easy? Or maybe you're struggling with pride. Maybe you're struggling with pride on this issue. You know, Realizing that you can't work your way to heaven, maybe that hurts because you want to work your way to heaven. All you have to do is just accept and lay aside your pride that Jesus Christ has already paid for your sins. And all he asks for you this is to just accept him into your life. Allow him to make the payment that he's already paid. It's to simply ask him, Lord, I believe you. I know who you are. I know I'm a sinner. And I know that you died for me. And I want to be in a relationship with you. Will you please enter into my life? It's that simple. So that's all we have. Questions. Chilly thoughts. Okay. I
3: actually do have a question. Um, it's more like a logistical thing, but I noticed in
4: the beginning of the passage, um, I don't know if you could pull it up here, Let's but see. verses five through seven. Let's see.
2: Let's see. Oops. Gotta go through a lot here. So well, that's sorry, lots about of slaps. That. nice, we've made it okay. Uh you oh, uh yeah, right there, six through nine. Um, it
4: says, in like verse six and seven, that God said, "If as one people speaking the same language they begin to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible." Come, let us go down and confuse their language. So is that us? Is that kind of referring to the Trinity? I, I just was kind of like I wanted to yeah, clarify capital that us. capital us. Yeah, I was like, oh, like caught that and was like, that's just an interesting
0: point of thought, that just that's not there. Yeah. Mm. I don't know the Hebrew word behind that's I know, probably.
4: oh, is that like an Old Testament reference to that? So. Yeah,
0: it could be. Yeah, there's several Old Testament references to the Trinity. Yeah, similar. And it must make man our image, that kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah, I was like, oh, that's just a fun fact.
4: Yeah. I was like, oh, you don't see that often in the Old Testament. So I don't
2: know if you guys studied that at all. I don't know if they mentioned right. anything like that as far I as the mean. Yeah,
5: I, I'm not sure. But <clears throat> like Rich said, it. that's what I would think, is that's an early reference to the Trinity. Similar to okay, let us make man in our image? That's what I thought.
0: I just wanted to like
4: clarify that. Yeah. That's a very observant question. Yeah. Yeah. I've
0: always wondered, I've never really studied what the Jewish take on that is. Right. Or the yeah, Genesis 1. Like, are they saying God and the angels? Right. Made in God and the angels' image? Yeah, like, who is it us? It seems bizarre. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. hmm. But yeah, New Testament clarifies, yeah, God's the Trinity. Yeah.
2: A half reason? yeah, full um, I really
3: liked uh, you explaining like everything that Jesus gave up for us to um, humble himself. Um, like I, I don't often think about you know the sac like obviously he not only like died for us but like he gave up all of his godly attributes. He gave of all of his rights, Um, like he, you know, deserved all these things because he is God, and um, like willingly, like just the biggest example of of humbling yourself. I don't have to think about it that way, but the few times that it's presented to me, I'm just like, wow, I really have nothing to say to that, like. I have no excuses. I, there's nothing that I can say to fight, like, the little bit of humbling that, like, God asked me to do in comparison. Like, if Jesus could humble himself more than I ever will, who am I to say I don't want to do that? (laughs) Like, it just squashes all arguments, all, um, uh, defenses or anything. Um, I, I thought that was really well communicated tonight. And, um, I also really liked your conclusion questions, um, especially the being content with God's plan. Um, Like, there's just been so many things in my life where um, I've not been content with where he was moving me or not moving me in a moment. Um, When we became fusion, initially, that was really hard for me. Like, I really don't want to do that, and I'm not going to do that.
0: Um, But I'm a big people pleaser, so it was like... (laughs) But <laughs> I'm not going to like you uh,
3: but that was like a really humbling thing recognizing like okay God knows what he's doing this was actually really good and mm. there was a lot of growth in my life from submitting to that um, and a lot of like, faith built in him seeing that your plan is better than mine and even right now in a phase of my life where there are things that I want that I'm trying really hard to make happen and uh, find myself trying to be in control and like push God out of that and it's, you know, things are still not going the way that I want them to um, has really made me come to a point and wrestle with like why am I in this position and why aren't you doing anything because you could do something this isn't your power um, and I really had to wrestle with that question am I content with God's plan for my life and do I trust that he's still good, even if what I think is good for me doesn't happen? Do I trust that he knows better than me? And even if it doesn't make sense right now, like later on, you know, he sees a bigger picture than I do and, uh, he knows the before, you know, the present, he knows the future. I know such a little amount, so very little and like, uh, like he is trustworthy. He, he, his plan is
2: better than mine. Um, that's something that I do have to wrestle with a lot and I thought that was a really good
3: tie-in. Yeah. Do you wish we got
2: the Flood House? <laughs> no. Sometimes. <laughs> 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 what, a nice twi- <laughs> what a twist. It was a very nice barn, guys. COVID would have been no issue in that barn. Right you swept the raise up,
1: am I, not, not can I, not why or can I be content with what uh, God is doing right now, but why am I scorning God's provision for me? Like, why, why am I unsatisfied? Why am I angry about uh, God's <laughs> gracious, loving plan for my life? Uh, and I find myself in that kind of a thing sometimes. Like, what? Are you kidding me? You ungrateful and it is a heart changer like oh my gosh God he has been so good over so many years mm-hmm. why am I so dissatisfied with this thing that is going on right now uh, you know whatever the thing is and, and uh, it's like oh yeah the creator of the universe has a provision specifically for me and this is part of it and I'm angry about it mm-hmm. uh, my goodness I'm glad he's got it
2: Yeah, that's, that's very true. He cares about each and every one of us individually. One thing that was cool about this teaching was, you know, the fact, although it is very funny, God coming down and saying, look at this little tower. It was still the fact that God came down. Mm-hmm. I came down to them because he cares. Just like he comes down to us. To godless people. To godless people. He cares about them. Yeah, that was really, it was a really cool reflection of like, man, God he does care. Mm-hmm. He does care. He'll come down.
0: Angie? I really liked your point about Jesus' first 30 years mm-hmm. um, and how he was waiting on his Father's perfect time. Because um, I'm not sure i alone, but waiting is a hard thing. It feels like wasted time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
2: Jesus, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that's very wild. Yeah, that's true.
4: Lindsay, um, I really liked your points, uh, especially the section "Should We Desire Humility?" But um, I I have one to add that I think oh. is pretty oh. good.
2: Add away.
4: Um. So, uh, I I'm one of the people that like. I often am like, oh, I did this! And get really prideful that way. Mm. Um, and in 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but mm. gives grace to the humble. Yeah. Um, and I think that that can often be like helpful for for me, is like, even if I'm not like being super outward, but it's just that little start in my heart where I'm like, oh, I did such a good job, or blah, blah, blah. It's like that reminder is that God, when you start to turn that way, it's immediately putting yourself in opposition to God. Mm. And um, But that he wants to give us so much grace, and so that as soon as we can give that glory to him instead and be like, no, this is God doing this, he offers us so much grace and wants to work with us. And I i know for me that is really important. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah that's, that is, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think. Oh. No, no. No?
1: <laughs> 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 On the other side of that verse, it, it ties anxiety to pride. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm mm-hmm. full of anxiety. And that, those are tied together in other places in Scripture too. I don't remember where, but they are. Um, the anxiety and pride yeah. they go together, and humility and peace go together
2: too. Yeah. It's like, why am I fighting so hard to you can stay anxious? Yeah. 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 That's good. Cool. Jeffrey.
0: Can you I'm tell fine, the joke that Rich Dolphin? <laughs>
2: I'll tell you uh, if anyone else does have anything to share. I'll I'll, I'll tell everyone. Don't, don't. Well, some people may, I don't want to, I don't make a joke in the middle of people sharing or thinking about sharing. Good question, though. (laughs) You will be put on display, Rich. (laughs) Go ahead. No one else? All right, so. (laughs) So you created
0: this joke.
2: Let me start the story. (laughs) Can I start the story? People are trying to get their awards for chili. We're wasting our time. So I, if you know me, excuse me, I am I am in deep love with Pastor Greg Laurie, Harvest Ministries and uh, San Diego's whatever over there in California. So we were going through Jonah. And uh, I don't know if it was for a retreat or something like that. Anyway, each teaching kind of repeats itself. Like, they give you, like, a little snapshot of the last teaching. And he had this joke that I didn't steal from him because I attribute it to him each and every single time. But I said, so his, he said, the whole story of Jonah could be summed up at one point. God said, go. Jonah said, no. God said, oh. <laughs> That's the joke. Rich harshly tells me, that's a cute little kid's joke. That's, that's a really cute joke. You're not going to use that at CT, are you? So I'm starting to feel bad. Like, man, I don't, I don't want to make a cute kid's joke at CT. So I don't say it in literally his first words. <laughs> the story of Jonah can be summed up in one sentence. And that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you go to Jonah on our website, you can witness. I really wanted to say it, too. I'm not bitter.
0: <laughs> you what? <laughs> I
2: think you said it
0: at the retreat
2: because no. we, we redid that It was CT. It was CT. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I First, did that out of a tree,
2: which is why we were asked to teach it that secret. I don't know. I think I, I think you said it was cute then too. I don't think I said it either time. No, you did say I did. Yeah, yeah, Where's, you the say him, like, Where's the audio? Where's the audio? Uh, Where's the audio? I'm bringing my proof. Where's your proof? It's next, to, next to 80s bugs. So mixed <laughs> all this one up. Should we pray? Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: It wasn't plagiarism because I attributed it to Greg Laurie. <laughs> all right, I'll pray and then we'll get some more chili and please. Uh, if you put in chili, don't leave i, I have gold medals oh. I have silver medals I have brown me, bronze medals so I want to give you I want to give you your medals please don't leave let's, let's do the contest and I'll give you your medals okay all right Lord thank you so much for uh, all you've done for us and uh, how you've granted us so many things uh, sometimes we we fail to realize the amazing things that you've given us but um, you still love us we know we're falling and make mistakes. That's just so beautiful to know that we are loved by you so much, that you care so much about us, um, that even before uh, we were even born, you knew knew who we were and you loved us. So thank you, Lord, for that. Um, If you're trying to show us something lately or something you're trying to pinpoint your finger on, I just pray you make that clear, whether it's humility or pride or or struggling with something, I just pray that you make it clear for us and uh, we want to be on your path. Um, we definitely want you to step in and intervene, and uh, let you lead the way. So, thank you for uh, placing us all here. Thank you for this wonderful fellowship that we're part of, and uh, thank you for Chili. Nice. Amen. chili. Amen. God said. God said